0: Hello, Sky friends, and welcome to Seasons of Skyren. I am your host, Scott, and with us, as always, we have...
1: I am Chris at Ewok Killer on Twitter. And? I'm
2: Shannon at Skyrend underscore Shannon on Twitter.
3: And? And I am Skyren underscore Nate on Twitter. And what's your name, Nate? Nate. Ah, Wonderful. <laughs>
0: and i am scott you can find me on twitter at the scott blake and you can find the show at skyrend podcast and today we are not doing a normal game session we are doing our very first q and a or as one of our listeners called it a questions of skyrend a name which i am probably going to steal so look for that in the title <laughs> and basically what we have here since we just finished wrapping up book 2 including our interlude game of the Glamour, we wanted to give listeners a chance to ask questions that have been on their minds since the start of the show. Since we didn't do one of these at the end of book one, everything is fair game. These are questions about characters, us as players, the world at large, everything's good. And if we have any questions for each other as we're going through this, those are fine too. So before we get to our first question, I want to thank all of our listeners who submitted questions both on Twitter and through email. And I, of course, want to thank all of our patrons over at patreon.com slash podcast for helping us be able to afford some of the things like hosting and equipment. And if you want to join us as a patron, you can go to patreon.com slash podcast and choose a level that's right for you. Uh, You can get access to things like outtake reels, um, which are probably like the most entertaining gold that we have. But you can also get things like naming characters, creating items, early access to our chapters once we get to book three, which is coming out. Well, it'll be the next thing that comes out after this. With all that said, are we ready to get to our questions? I think so. Ready. Let's do it. Wonderful. Our first question today comes from listener Sierra. And this is a nice, fun question, I think. It's a good way to start us off. If you were to cast an actor to play your character, who would you pick? And she specifically mentions including Sam, our wonderful Tamani friend. So who wants to start off? Who has an actor they would want to play their character?
2: I'll start. Uh, This is actually the hardest question for me to answer (laughs) because... I see so much of the world through Arnus's eyes that I don't see him particularly. But if I had to cast somebody, it would be Nirvana-era Dave Grohl.
0: Interesting choice. I I never pictured Arnus so grunge.
2: Oh, well, like, not with the, like, ripped jeans and stuff. I'm just talking, like, facially like build-wise and, like, hair-wise. That's what I want. But then in, like, Russell Brand pants. <laughs>
3: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> so, if Arnus lives through the entirety of all of our game sessions, he will eventually look like Grown Up Now Dave Grohl? Yes.
1: <laughs>
0: which is far more adorable than I ever imagined. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I win alright. It's not a but I win.
0: Okay, okay. Good for you. <laughs> Claiming your win early. There's still three other people to go. Uh, who wants to go next? I will. Alrighty, Nate. So
3: I agree with Shannon that this was a super hard question. Ultimately, I think I'm going to have to go like a Matrix-era Keanu Reeves. But mm. with a shaved head.
0: But with a shaved head, all right. I like that. I can dig it.
1: I figured since since Vail's got like three kind of common states we've seen them in, I would cast all three of them because I'm that guy. (laughs) Mm,
0: Not just one actor who can play all three roles. No, because
1: I figured she'd be looking like other people, right? So, Or they would look like Mm -hmm. other people. Um, So I figured for kind of their changeling state, I really like Tilda Swinton's look especially like if you're a fan of um, Constantine as the angel in that, mm-hmm. she's got a really awesome look that I think fits kind of the changeling style. And then when Vale takes on the persona of Lord Carver, a very young Jack of all trades era, Bruce Campbell. <laughs> also with that kind of like personality was, that was where I pulled from whenever I play Lord Carver. Carver. I haven't seen in a while. And because uh, I'm just so in love with this actress for when she takes on, or when Vale takes on the persona of uh, of Kara, I picture Maisie Williams from Game of Thrones, who plays Arya Stark, but with red. Mm-hmm. Of course, I've always said that Kara was a redhead.
0: Okay. Arya Stark at the beginning of the show no, 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 or no, no, the, at end the end of the show? She's
1: like ultimate <laughs> badass okay. form. And I think a lot of my, when I picture veil a lot our ar- armor is really similar uh with the addition of the assassin's creed style kind of gauntlet okay very nice
0: and since we're including samudio in this my initial thought for who would play sam was a scruffy benjamin brat <laughs> which i know is not an actor who's on like anybody's radar right now uh- <laughs> But uh, for those who have seen, uh, let's see, what's a good movie he was in? Miss Congeniality. Miss Congeniality, yeah. That
2: one's right there.
0: Right there. He was the agent in that. But he also was on uh, Modern Family. Mm. He's Manny's biological father. But yeah, I pictured like a scruffy version of him. But Chris had some good suggestions in here that were also like very close to making the cut. Like a Hugh Jackman type Mm. or uh, a young Jimmy Smith, which... mm, That one also is real good. I like that one a lot. A Legends of the Fall Brad Pitt, though, seemed a little too pretty. It's too pretty. So I left him out. (laughs) Sam's been on the road a lot. But then Shannon also said Ron Swanson.
3: (laughs) Ooh, I can see that.
2: (laughs) But like with (laughs) a But
0: like uh, Nick Offerman Samudio. um, (laughs) I like that image. uh, Would be entertaining. Love it. And then also, what was the other one? Uh, Jensen Ackles. Who I had absolutely no idea who he was, <laughs> but Dean, Dean from, from Supernatural.
2: Natural. Yeah. But like with his off season beard. <laughs> I'm going to shut up now.
0: No, no, that's fine. Um, before we move on to the next question, does anybody have suggestions for who they imagined actors being for other characters, especially Sam, since he's more of a communal character?
3: I would honestly see Sam as like an earlier Jeff
1: Bridges, almost like, Oh. Like oh. And then age him into like Iron Man Jeff Bridges. And I see an old <laughs> Sam totally puff up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But like
2: Sam is the dude, right? That's Jeff Bridges. Yeah. 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 yeah.
1: Sam is the dude. Yeah. yeah. I like that. <laughs> so uh Thor. <laughs> no.
2: Specifically no? not. No. It's way too put together.
0: No, I think he means endgame Thor. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Boom. What? Why do you feel bad for he him? I mean, like, other than the crippling emotional problems he's going through. That's what I'm through.
2: talking about. He gets <laughs> literally the shit into the stick, starting in Dark World, and then he just gets shit on. <laughs> Poor
1: guy. Dude, he has some fun in Ragnarok, though.
2: No, he really does, but like. He's like where is he? He's where the fuck in the universe? Like that's not fun. Well,
1: the reason for that is cuz he's so powerful. If you just start throwing him thing in things, he's the he's the ultimate literal deus ex. All right. <laughs> you
2: don't have to kill everybody though. I mean like literally everybody except Valkyrie. <laughs> literally.
0: Don't don't kill Valkyrie. Please don't.
2: Please don't. She's like the best. Anyway.
0: Okay. Anyway, let's move on to the next question. Nate, would you like to field
3: this one? Yes. Sorry, would you like to ask this one? Sure, and say who it's from and stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. Our next question comes from listener Sierra. <laughs> who is your favorite NPC <laughs> so far? Not including Sam. Um,
1: I'll start. That's right, because... Oh,
3: I was going to say, because Sam
0: is pretty much
1: part of the cast, so... Yeah. I really, and I can't believe I'm gonna say this, but I absolutely love to hate Earl Earl. Especially <laughs> just playing Vale. Earl Earl's been such a great foil for them that they're definitely on the top of my list. I also um I've been doing I was doing some thinking and someone came up. Um who was it? Oh, I'm not gonna remember it now because I didn't write it down. Oh no. Oh yeah, Ed Coates. Oh, Ed Coates. Ed Coates Oh, yeah, our wonderful mayor. Of course. (laughs) My two, probably.
0: Yeah, I absolutely loved playing Earl Earl. He's a lot of fun just because he's a huge jerk uh, and he lets me push people's buttons.
1: I also, and then kind of on on that discussion, I really liked Count Duchess because she was such a, or they were such a different element in that moment. That was nice. Mm -hmm. Okay. Shannon,
0: Nate, any thoughts here? Favorite NPCs?
2: I absolutely love being awkward around Quince. I'm that guy. I regret my choice to not stay and just form a band.
1: Life would be easier.
2: <laughs> so much easier.
0: That option was right there. You could have taken it. I could
2: have just left and I could have had better. an entire
1: season of just you playing gigs in Honey
0: Hollow. Oh, no, unless everybody else wanted to stay, too. That would no, have, that would have
2: been it. That would have been r retirement. Been like, yeah, I figured. Peace him out. Bye.
0: Retirement's allowed. You don't just have to die. That's not the only way out. And stay the same level. <laughs> eh, we'll see. We'll see. You know, retirement doesn't mean inactive. Right? For me, it would time? have been, though.
2: Well, I mean, not exactly. I would have still been playing music, so I would have been honing that part of the skill.
3: Yeah. And your music would cure your... Heal the...
2: Wouldn't that be nice? If heal I the could, what, if I Nate? Could do I'm that? I'm sorry. Heal he the- would
3: heal the world. Oh,
0: maybe. Still might. Okay, Nate, do you have an answer? Who's your favorite NPC?
3: I have, I think, three. And two of them I have to steal from Chris. So, <laughs> my favorite character, I think, is Earl Earl. Same reason. Absolutely love to hate him. He's a ton of fun just to bounce off of and... The other cast members bounce off mm-hmm. of Um, Darvin's favorites. I think I have to throw a quick shout out to, um, but besides her, um, hey, hey, who
2: you can't hey say Nate? because no one's met her. Let's yet. Let's not include
3: book three. Yet. Oh, right. No book three. Sorry. Because
2: really? My favorite is, <laughs> but I can't really talk about him yet. OK,
3: I'm probably going <laughs> to yeah. do that multiple times. <laughs> no, that's OK. Make a that's rewind okay. sound for uh, me. You-
0: <laughs> Alright. Nate, do you have a favorite NPC from uh, either book one or book two?
3: Yes. I have two. And they would be Count Duchess and... Wait, wait, wait. No, no, no. <sighs> I got all mixed up. Darwin's favorite is Earl Earl because we love to hate him and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Damn it, I got that wrong. That's my favorite. <laughs> it's going well. <laughs> I know, I know. Sorry. <laughs> Darvin's favorites would be, I think, and misha and also count duchess because they're both very helpful and chill yeah yeah
0: okay if i had to pick a favorite npc let's see i mean my favorite one to play maybe earl earl just because he is such a jerk and i love to give you somebody to hate but i think as far as characters go like if i could just always have them with us I mean, still not leaving that party, Uh, it would be Olwan, because (laughs) he's such a nice guy, and he means so well, and he just doesn't, well, I'm not going to say he doesn't understand what Earl Earl's doing, but um, yeah, like a misguided kind guy. All right. Uh, Any other NPCs we want to throw on this love fest?
2: I liked the Llama Lady, whose name I can't remember. In that one episode, oh, Sam oh. was totally doing it with.
3: Oh, the Mama Lady!
2: I don't remember her name.
3: Oh, her name
0: is Theria, Theria.
2: That's right. I liked well, her. She, she was, was only interesting. For that one episode. Yeah. Well, but
0: she was. She sticks. She was so interesting. You left her town behind and never spoke to her again.
2: That's true. Well, she <laughs> sticks in my brain. I think because we had to record it twice.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
3: also fair. Um. What about that one elf from the island?
1: Oh yeah, the like primal oh, one oh. that was trapped. Oh yeah,
3: Annika, I yeah, like Annika cool. and Curvish, Curv- they
1: were, and I mean, Curvish, poor Curvish. Honestly, I think what we're we're developing here is that we really do enjoy all these kind of little characters <laughs> that Scott peppers the world with, right? Like the, we could talk all night about these characters because they're really. I mean, there's they're fun. There's plenty that have come and gone and not left a huge impression. Uh, yeah. Like-
0: we don't need to talk about every single one. Just just a few had favorites. Not every okay. Neil Patrick.
3: <laughs> yeah.
0: It can't all be Neil Patrick oh, Charlie. Was the
3: best.
2: You were supposed <laughs> to just kill him.
0: <laughs> okay. Let's move on to the next question. Chris?
1: Yes. Let me flip over to the document. Of what is your character most proud and what are they most ashamed? Whether past actions or missed opportunities or not necessarily something they themselves did could pertain to the people or their families. And this awesome question comes from Jim. Okay.
0: And since this one is about what your characters did, um, this is for Chris, Nate, and Shannon. So who wants to take the first swing at that?
1: I can go first because I definitely know what Vale's most proud of. Um, and it kind of okay. is a reflection of some of Vale's growth. Um, and it's the, the self-sacrifice that was a result that led to the loss of their arm. Mm. Uh, I think they, they see that as, as a sign that still value their place in the guild and continue to want to work for it and to improve it. They also can do more and be part of a bigger world. Um, and that it's not all just about assassinations. Yeah,
0: that was a very nice moment um, with Vale. I think the thing they're I most
1: ashamed of is probably the fact that they haven't killed Earl Earl yet.
0: Mm, mm, mm. That that task just gets harder and harder now. Yeah. Considering what's happened to Vale.
2: <laughs> It'll be
1: fine. Uh, okay, you
0: know, maybe one of your friends will take up that task for you. We'll never know.
1: Yeah. See Arn taking up the task of killing Earl Earl for Vale.
0: All right. Nate or Shannon, proud moments, shameful
3: moments? Okay, I'm ready. I have an answer for this. Okay. Darvin, I think his most proud achievement is probably just his training that he's managed to come up with. Um, the thing he's ashamed of is his role in death and Colonel...
0: Wait, I'm sorry, Nate, you cut out <sighs> there. The death of who? Colonel Fabric. Oh, Colonel Fabric.
3: Oh, God. Oh, Darvin was not at all down, and he felt like he kind of violated his own honor code there. Mm,
0: I'd forgotten about Colonel Faybrook there. Yeah, that was, uh, that was unfortunate. A good man had to die that day. To be fair, he was representing a um, not good regime. It's true.
3: it's true, but Darwin had made a deal with him, which you know, doesn't like to break his word.
0: Okay, yeah, I can see some shame in that. Uh,
3: Shannon, what about
0: Aranus? What do we got going there?
2: Uh, am I allowed to talk about how ashamed I am of what happened to the world? <laughs> or is that a spoiler?
0: No, I don't think that's a spoiler. That's definitely like the end of book two, like what happened there was stated and alluded to at the end of the final actual chapter. And then in the glamour session, we just talk about it straight up. So go ahead. Yeah.
2: So definitely most ashamed of what his actions did to the larger world um wait for book three see how it plays out
0: yeah um to be clear you're referring to condemning half the world to a very slow and painful process of turning into bone we're
1: gonna call it pulling not quite a thanos because you didn't kill them all you just made them slowly die technically i only killed
2: one dude Technically, true. His death killed everybody else. So I didn't Thanos. I Thanos adjacented.
0: (laughs) Uh huh. (laughs) All right, Star Lord. You didn't snap. You're responsible for the withering. You
1: didn't snap the fingers. You just put all the gems in the gauntlet and gave him the gauntlet. Basically, yeah. I mean,
2: it comes to the same thing. He doesn't feel good about it. Yeah. What am I most proud? I think I'm most proud of Karami. Just
0: okay. Karami. A,
2: yeah, just making it a like a free city, something that's free of the monarchy. Like he didn't want to do it initially, but he's really proud of what they accomplished.
0: Yes, that is definitely something to be proud of.
2: And now half of them are dying. It's fine.
0: You don't know the population makeup of that city. I mean, it may not be but yes. Sorry, I don't want to belittle your shame. <laughs> okay.
2: That's all I got. Anybody else? Anything to add? Well,
1: that's... I think we've all gone at this point. So.
0: Yeah, that's that's everybody. I'm just trying to think if there's anything I want to add to proud moments for you guys or shameful moments for you guys. Um, I mean, I, yeah, I think as a group, the three characters, Darwin, Vale, Arnis... And the thing I'm most proud of in terms of what you as a party did is the Bard's rebellion, just because it was a very, well, for one, I was not expecting you to do that at all. <laughs> and I love being surprised. You're welcome. But also it, but I'm proud because it's something that was more selfless than not like you could have just ran and gotten out of there, but you took down somebody who was turning the city into a terrible place and then you stayed around and made sure it got fixed which was definitely very surprising.
1: Contrary to Darwin's desire to run.
0: Should have run. <laughs> you could have run. I'm not saying you couldn't, but I'm just saying you didn't. And it was a very proud moment. Um, I, no, I don't know if I feel shame on your behalf or anything that you guys have done yet. Not as a whole, as a, like, <laughs> as a whole. Uh, so yeah, let's go on to the next question. Uh, Shannon, would you like to ask this question for us, Shannon? Sure.
2: This question comes from Sierra Scott. How long did it take you to make the world? It seems so fleshed out with a solid sense of existence. And I'm intensely impressed. I'm sorry. I'm insanely impressed. Mm -hmm. Was it made just for this game or was it something
0: else? Okay. Um, First of all, thank you, Sierra. (laughs) I'm glad somebody is impressed by it. I'm kidding. I know we all enjoy it. We're impressed,
1: too. Just throw that out. I
0: was not just trying yeah. to throw some side shade there.
1: <laughs> it's hard to throw a side shade across an ocean, isn't it, Scott?
0: It is. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if you can read the uh, the hairy eyeball or whatever it is the you guys call eyeball! it. Oh <laughs> <laughs>
2: Thank you, Arlo Guthrie. Um, from all the way
0: over here. But Yes, this world was made... Just for this podcast, just for our game here, mostly because I wanted to start fresh and not have anything be out of bounds. I wanted the potential for anything that we wanted to do to be present. Um, And because I wanted to make a weird world. Uh, As for how long did it make? I don't know exactly. It was a long time before I put pen to paper. But if we just count that time when I first started, let's see, was the first thing I did was the first thing I wrote. Uh, the first thing I wrote was actually just drawing the map was creating the continents. And that happened about nine months before our first session. But even before then I was already thinking of like pantheon questions and big world features and things like that. But yeah, it took a solid nine months while we were playing our other adventure, uh, the Meadowland adventures, Mm -hmm. uh, where I was just like detailing the world out. So if it seems like there's a sense of existence, that's that was intentional. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I definitely wanted it to feel like people were already living here and that there was a structure that our players were stepping into. And even though we at the table were seeing many things for the first time, the characters within it were not like they already knew what was happening. Even though like, Hey, uh, like one of the first things I told you guys when you were creating characters was nobody can be from the previous age even though like elves could obviously be that old or dwarves could obviously be that old. Cause it was only 164 years prior when we started. Cause I wanted to leave that in a little bit of mystery. Um, and even though there's people in the world who do know more about it, like I didn't want it to be something your characters were intimately familiar with. So that way we could explore questions of how that impacted the world together. Um, that actually hasn't been a huge focus in the show, in the podcast, but that's also fine. It doesn't have to be, we don't have to, dwell on the past when we've got so much going on in the present okay uh, thank you sierra for that question okay this next question also comes from listener sierra thank you and it is for everybody what is one part of the world building itself that has stuck out to each of you players and for scott what part of the world have the players brought in that you feel has really enriched it So I would love to hear from the three of you first before I go.
2: I think the part that's really stuck out to me is the, like, access we seem to have to gods of any kind, right? Because that's really unusual. Like, in D&D, like, regular old D&D, you meet a god every baby. And here it's like every five minutes. Oh, yeah, I'm the god of, like, whatever. Whoa, (laughs) I, uh hi there
0: <laughs> that is very interesting that you bring it up because uh vanessa who does our artwork has also called that out as just being like it's weird seeing gods like all the time and they're just there i'm like it's very greek yeah
2: just like among
1: us it's
0: like they're doing shit messing yeah. up your got world. their
1: own lives man mm-hmm. yeah okay all right i think i would say uh kind of i would say two things one is is how much scott has used our input and worked with us it's very even in kind of my own experience like it's uncommon to have that much connection with the world you're building kind of the community of it and i really like that um and then kind of beyond that talking about the world that scott has built that we're playing in i think the part that struck me so much is is how true it is to the original vision that scott told us about how there is no like definitive good or evil like every creature we meet is an individual creature first before they're uh oh it's a goblin all goblins are evil um i know like I know Vale has a predisposition to believe all elves are evil because of their personal experiences, but that's personal experience. It's not a cultural expectation, which is, it's fun to play in that world because the D&D world does get kind of locked into, well, you're meeting a chromatic dragon, that's an evil thing. um, And that's really fun.
0: Yes, I think Vale being predisposed to dislike elves makes a lot of sense, especially after meeting Earl Earl and having that be reinforced a bit. And having the entire continent be pretty much under elven rule.
3: <laughs> okay, uh, Nate? Um, Yeah, so two things really. First, and this may have been said, but just the sheer incredible attention to detail. All the gods and continents and cities and characters, that out of which we haven't even encountered yet. And a ton of stuff. Mm-hmm. The other thing is some of the geography is really interesting, particularly uh, Honey Hollow. Honey Hollow is really cool structurally.
0: Ooh, thank you. I do like Honey Hollow a lot too. Halfling City Under right? the Snow. Oh, Halfling and Orc City Under the Snow.
1: It's such an interesting combo.
0: Bees. Buzz.
2: Honey and Honey Hollow without Oh yes, bees. and the
0: bees. Okay. Um, for me, what part of the world have you brought in that I feel has really enriched it? Oh, I mean, obviously there's the Bard's Rebellion because that changed so many things just as a whole. It drastically changed the political landscape in the world and it helped drive a lot of other factors. Um, I think the, the denouement, the Assassin's Guild, has really helped to enrich the world. Because originally, before I knew Chris was going to play an assassin, it was just, well, yeah, there's a guild of assassins over here. Of course, there is. It's an RPG, it's a DD. You know, there's an Assassin's Guild, of course. But I think the rules and the guidelines and the structure of it that we've kind of fleshed out during gameplay has made them much more important uh, than they were originally designed to be. None of the guilds were designed to be more important than the others. It's just whichever ones we latched onto. And I think that one really helped. Okay. Are you ready for the next question?
2: Mm -hmm. I think so.
0: Okay. Nate, would you like to ask us this question here?
3: Yeah. So I'm on from Tony. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, this one right Our here. Our next question comes from listener Tony, and it is for Scott. Oh, wait, it is for all of us. And you. Scott. It's <laughs> it a two parter. Scott, what's been your biggest inspiration for the world? For Chris, Shannon, and Nate, what's been your biggest inspiration for your character?
0: Okay. Do you want to hear about the world first, or do we want to go characters first? I
2: say take it in order. You go first.
0: Ah, uh, nuts. Mm <laughs> hmm. <laughs> Okay, what's been my biggest inspiration for the world? That is very difficult because there are so many different sources of inspiration. But I think one of the biggest ones is something Shannon touched on earlier, and that's just how the Pantheon works. I really like the Greek, uh, Egyptian, Roman style just of they're there. They want to interact with the world. They have their own agendas. So, yes, uh, biggest inspiration points... Greek, Roman, Egyptian pantheons just for how the gods interact with the world and how they behave and how flawed they are. Because, I mean, yes, having a perfect god would be nice, but it also doesn't drive many story points. Right. And it also gives me fewer tools if they just have one single facet. But having as many as we do, like drawing from that, and like these are gods of things. In our world, they're gods of people, peoples. Uh, with the exception of a few. Other than that, what's been my biggest inspiration? I mean, it's hard not to say Tolkien, just Lord of the Rings world. Not that the characters themselves are being used, but just the grandness of the setting, the lived-in feeling of it. Um, things like, uh, I mean, to really pull out a left field here, uh, Star Trek Deep Space Nine. There are so many great characters in that. Uh, hmm, what's the line? I forget which season it's in, but regarding Garrick, if you have seen the show, uh, you'll understand what I'm talking about here. There's one point where uh, he's explaining his backstory, and it's of course filled with lies. And the crew is trying to figure out what exactly is the truth of it, how do they help him? And they get to his old mentor, who says of Garrick, Ah, yes, why tell the truth when a lie would do? Uh, And I think that has definitely shaped a lot of things that that powers in the background have been doing because to say that everybody's acting in truth is, would not be accurate.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> There's a lot of things that people are doing in the world that are shrouded in lies and that's the face they put forward. Um, Chris Shannon, Nate, do you want to take on, take a stab at what inspired your characters?
1: I can jump on it. I think it's interesting because my person has changed over the course. Um, when we when we first started, and I, I think it's very clear in, in in who Vale is, it was very inspired by the not so much an individual character, but the Assassin's Creed mythology was really inspiring. And then it's kind of secondary inspiration from the um the brotherhood from Skyrim and wanting to play a character that in this world is an assassin but still is kind of something more than that. Mm-hmm. And then, since I started watching Game of Thrones recently, yes, we came late to the table, but we did <laughs> watch it recently with an intention. We did we didn't start want to start watching it till it was over, so we could watch it all. There's a reason why I brought up Arya Stark earlier, and it's because I think I'll, I see a lot of what I wanted to do with Vale in that character. The idea of like they're an assassin, but there's a path that led them there, and there's more to that character. So that's kind of where I come from. Mm, okay. Very nice, uh,
3: Nate. Um, I can go. I can go. I'm ready. I think. All right, let's Is hear it. Basically, Batman murder,
1: <laughs> <laughs> murder Batman, <laughs> and, murder. and, and I,
3: I think originally it was just Batman, but you know, to, for mechanics and settings reasons, the murder became a necessary component.
0: Well, I think as soon as you said that you were uh, in a monastery dedicated to the god of death, yeah,
2: <laughs> it's my turn, right?
0: Wait, Nate, were you done with your inspirations for your character? Yeah, pretty much. Okay. In which case, yes, Shannon.
2: Mine's really boring. I wanted to play a bard. (laughs) That was my whole inspiration. And then, like, everything else sort of came from that. Um, I was a jerk, power-gamed the race I wanted to play. Because I knew that half elves got a bonus to charisma. So uh, yeah, that that is literally my inspiration. That's really boring comparatively. There's, there's <laughs>
0: no like there's no hidden reason like why you play the loot and not something else, why you chose the like specialty that you um, did.
2: Not particularly. Um,
0: why you like tight pants? So,
2: well, the tight pants kind of evolved as one of our um as what it was like our it was one of our first episodes right we were talking about how we met the other characters because I played a party for mm-hmm. Darwin's dad and they bought me an outfit and I said I wanted ridiculously tight pants as part of the outfit mm-hmm. but I sort of like I accidentally created a bard in a bubble like. I wasn't aware of the larger kind of bardic standard of I seduce it. <laughs> like I'm going to go seduce everything. I want to like try to have sex with everything. And so I kind of created this bard who's really awkward about sex. That was an accident. That Which wasn't on I think purpose. Is
0: wonderful. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fine. Like, I think it's wonderful to have a bard who's not, super focused on <laughs> physical relations we or using for that. seduction <laughs> to get past everything. Yes. We have Sam for seducing people, a skill which you have yet to take advantage That's of really. Um,
2: <laughs> Cause see, I'm awkward about it. So I'm not going to think about it. Like Arnis isn't going to think of that.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay.
0: Okay. Awesome. Let's go to our next question. Uh, Chris.
1: Uh, well, this is actually fitting that I'm reading this one. This one comes from Jim, uh, and it is is the Baron Misha's preference for a singular they pronoun to do with gender identity, something like the royal plural, or is the Baron secretly a changeling? I like the last part of that question. I like that.
2: He's not going to answer that.
1: Okay. Before I get to
0: like the beef of the question... Does anybody think that Baron Misha is secretly a changeling? No. Did anybody think that no. at any point? No, no. Ah, oh, dang it!
1: <laughs> I like it, but no, never thought.
0: I totally get where the question's coming from because Vale uses they so much in their base yeah. form. Because, like, when they're not portraying a specific gender, like they just don't really have one unless they want one. Mm. But their preference for the singular they pronoun uh, is just gender identity. It's yeah, it's just who they are. Like for me as a creator in this game, I think it's important to have characters that embody that and have it not be something that was like, oh well, they are using gender neutral pronouns because of XYZ. It's just no, I wanted to have a they person in there. And I thought Baron Misha was a great opportunity for that because you know, I just I thought it was great to have somebody who Could be gender neutral, who could be important to their own plot, be important to your plot, and just be present and have it not be a thing. Like it's not something other characters in the world are harping on about. Mm -hmm. And as far as the royal plural goes, no one at the baron level really uses that. Like the king might, the queen might. But on the whole, no, royalty doesn't use the royal plural uh, unless I really want to make someone feel more (laughs) positive.
1: Correct me if I'm wrong, count duchess also did, right?
2: Yeah, count yeah. duchess yeah. were they.
1: Yeah. Okay, cuz like I think I remember that and I thought it was actually um a royal thing when you were using it as for for Baron Misha, so I didn't pick up on that.
0: No. No, uh, for count duchess the way I differentiate them between Baron Misha is Baron Misha is not uh It's not a romantic or a sexual character, Mm -hmm. whereas Count Duchess definitely is. They're in a relationship with Mm -hmm. Earl Earl, even if they don't have preferred pronouns, even if they want to be gender neutral. They still have that life with someone who definitely identifies male. So when it came to Baron Misha, it was just part of who they were. Uh, Are they secretly a changeling? You know, if I answered that question about everybody, uh, we'd be here for a long time.
3: Ooh. <laughs> we'll wait. Ooh. Is Darwin secretly a Chandler? I Think Darwin. I don't know. Uh,
0: we've seen Darwin get knocked unconscious and drop down to zero, and he did not change Actually, back. So, a few so.
3: times. But he could have been fake mm. to deflect suspicion.
2: You're a weirdo. <laughs>
3: <laughs> this surprises you?
2: No. I'm just stating. <laughs>
3: No, the only
0: surprise changelings we've had so far have been all the Earl Earls. Uh, Yep. And that was very intentional. And that was definitely something I wanted to reveal sooner as opposed to later. And I'm glad we got Mm -hmm. to, because that was mm, was some good times. Okay. I think we've answered the question on Baron Misha. Um, Up next, Shannon.
2: This also comes from Sierra. Who are some short-lived NPCs you would love to run to again?
0: Yeah, this kind of touches back on favorite NPCs, but this doesn't have to be favorites. These could just be ones that you wanted to see more of, like you said earlier, Shannon, with
2: yeah. Theria.
1: Yeah, and I would throw Ed Coates in that mix too. Like I know he's important and we did interact with him, but it feels really long time since we've interacted with him.
2: It's been a long time since we interacted with anybody in Karami.
1: Yeah, I know. Yeah, selfish. what, selfishly, yeah. I'd like to interact more and get to know Jiraiyan more. I feel like we've only met them in like two scenes. Mm hmm. hmm. Want more gimbal ningle? <laughs> gimbal <laughs> ningle. I want Scott
2: to have to say bl- <sighs> ningle. <laughs> oh, <fun.
0: laughs> to be fair, your characters have never run into gimbal ningle. True. Any other short lived NPCs? Nate.
3: Yeah, I would say both of our dragon friends.
2: Oh, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Vizcara and yeah.
1: Brizendee? Yeah.
0: Or do you mean yeah, Elizabeth, a friend in heavy they're air not doing
2: well.
1: Okay. It's true, yeah. they're not. When Shannon and I were discussing this, those two definitely came up to like I would like yeah. to go back and, and see where they are, how they are, and know more about them for sure.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, for me, for short-lived NPCs that I would love to run into again, um, there is Theria. Just because, like Dipple, on the Gunner's Daughter, (laughs) there's a lot more to them and their people that we don't know about I also met the red
1: panda girl, too. She was cool.
0: Oh, yeah, that's right. Gosh, what was her name? Olivia? Where
3: was that?
0: I want to say.
1: That was on the beach. It was on the beach when
0: you were on your way to kill Tane and you ran into some elves because you spooked (laughs) them with your fear circle.
2: Not Sorry.
0: <laughs> but yeah like right, Theria is up there just because of like theria and Dipple are there because of what they represent. Unfortunately, Dipple is part elf, so he's not doing so hot at the moment. No. Let's see who else as far as short-lived NPCs go I want to see Darwin's mom- uh, sorry, I want to see Darwin's stepmom Ooh. again.
2: <laughs>
0: oh yeah, she was fun. Uh, just as much as I want to see. Aranis' relations again as well. No. <laughs> no.
3: Yeah, no, yeah Aranis' family I
0: think your is mom, fun. I definitely think seeing your mom and half-sister again would be very entertaining.
1: <laughs> Aranis is... Shannon's literally what? making farting noises now. Very. Yeah, uh, I can very hear. For sure. Very... <laughs>
0: You've spent all of like. I'm
2: sorry. Am I supposed to be half Less my than an afternoon. Refuses with them. to acknowledge me.
0: Uh, your half sister doesn't know that my you're related. half
2: Sister can kiss my half ass. Which half? Yeah. Half half
1: an ass. <laughs> the,
2: the human, human ass. Half.
0: Obviously, the human cheek, the elf cheek. No. <laughs> can
2: kiss my half pointy uh. elf ear
0: okay okay <laughs> I'm trying to think if there are any other NPCs that have just like barely been around that I'd love to see more of but I think for now that's good because I don't want to dwell on that one too long so let's go to the next question uh, which is a real fun one this one's just for Nate mm-hmm. so from Tony my first question is for Darvin so Vale is in hell Arn killed half the planet
3: how are you doing? No book three spoilers, right?
1: <laughs>
3: yeah, no book three spoilers. No spoilers, but, like,
2: but how are you?
0: But just like in general, what's... So how is Darvin feeling after Vale disappeared and Arin has helped start this thing that's uh, taking its toll on half the world?
3: Yeah, not great. <laughs> He's pretty torn up about it. Um, I would go so far as to use the phrase of faith, because he really feels like he thought things worked one way, and now suddenly he's kind of responsible for half the world being deathly ill, which is not not really what he wants.
0: Okay. Yeah, I also think that the answer, the full answer to this is going to be in book yes. three. Yes. It's like, how are you doing the day after is very different from how are you doing in the months following that? And what do you do about that? So, yes, look to book three for more. Agree. But let's get to the next question. Nate, go ahead and feel this one. We actually had a couple people write
3: in about this. Okay, our next question comes from, I'll read both. Tony, as I've told you a few times, I'm very interested to learn about the Tamani race as a whole. My question about them is, what was your inspiration for them? And also from listener Paul, can you tell us more about Tamani?
0: Yeah. So the Tamani are a race that I wanted to have in the world from the very beginning. The inspiration from them comes from a few different places. The first is just the basic lycanthropes, just werewolves and other animal shifters. in the You know, in the monster manual, there's werewolves, there's were tigers, there's were rats. And I wanted a different spin on those, which is partially where the Tamani came from. Uh, Another source of inspiration for that was, Ooh, I wish I had done my research right before recording this, uh, because I can't tell you the name of the episode exactly. But I want to say it was from at least a year ago, an episode of the podcast DM's Block, which is full of great information. And you should definitely check them out if you're a DM or if you just want to hear about cool D&D shit. But they were talking about, um, let's see, what was it? I believe it was one of their sections where they're using art as inspiration for world building. And it was about this warrior who is riding into battle on a white tiger and like, how are they connected? And a lot of it kind of went the path of like companion animal, like what rangers would have or familiar, like what a wizard would have. I just wanted to take that one step further because mechanically speaking in fifth edition Dungeons and Dragons companion animals are weak. Mm-hmm. They are great for utility stuff, but if you have them in a battle, there's a real good chance they're going to die. Uh, if anybody mm-hmm. targets them uh, just because they're kind of capped at where their AC and health can be. So I kind of fuse those two things together and thought about were creatures as being able to separate themselves. Well, as were creatures being able to separate into their two component parts to be both a humanoid and an animal. And I guess like humanoid should be taken very broadly because there's not really any race that I think would not be capable of being a Tamani in our world. It would just get a little bit weirder when it was like a plant based Tamani. But who knows? Maybe those exist out there somewhere. So yeah, I, that's mostly what it was. Um, just like finding a way to take were-creatures in a different direction. Um, I mean, tying back to something like Game of Thrones, where you have the skin changers, the skin walkers, being able to just see through their eyes and like take control of them, which I thought was a really cool power. But it's so much more putting yourself onto or into this creature, um, which we saw. Like, hey, spoiler alert for this show. Oh, wait, no. I don't know where you and Shannon are at, so we no, I'm not going to spoil we finished
2: this. We it. We watched the whole thing.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, you finished the series. Cool. So, like, spoiler alert for everybody else, then. <laughs> if you haven't seen through Game of Thrones, take a quick, like, 30-second fast-forward. As we see when Bran interacts with Hodor, totally fucks yeah. him up. <laughs> not good times. And... I wanted this to be a much more symbiotic relationship and having them be actually the one in the same person was very important for me. And when I was doing research into different types of skinwalkers, shapeshifters, lycanthropes, I found a very interesting little tidbit, which is where the Tamani name actually comes from. I think I originally found this in Wikipedia, but they definitely took right from this article on, uh, travelingwithintheworld.ning.com, uh, <laughs> which they definitely stole from this one website. And this is in Melanesia. Uh, in Melanesia, there's a belief in the Tamaniu or Atai, which is an animal counterpart to a person. It could be an eel, shark, lizard, or some other creature. The creature is corporeal, can understand human speech, and shares the same soul as its master, leading to legends which have many characteristics typical of both shapeshifter tales, such as any death or injury affecting both forms at once. And it was that sharing of the soul thing here and here that really caught my eye. And yeah, I basically took that term there that they used, and dropped the last letter, and that's where we got Tamani from. (laughs) Uh, In name anyways. But in form, it's an amalgamation of a bunch of different stuff. As for where they came from within the world, um, that hasn't been explored yet. And I don't think I want to ruin that here.
1: Because
0: mm-hmm. there's still a chance it could come up, especially if we explore some of Sam's personal plot lines, which is definitely a possibility for book three. Okay. And I think that's, uh, that's as much as the Tamani as I have ready to talk about right now. So let's go on to the next question.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Chris, would you like to ask this one for us?
1: Uh, we we'll look at this one from Heart Podcast, right?
0: Yeah, from Heartbeats.
1: Yeah, uh, did you? Oh, this is a good one. I like this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, did you ever have to re record an episode?
0: Oh, uh, yes, the bane <laughs> like of podcasting down. existence,
1: especially because of how we record, right? Yeah,
0: um, I mean, the short answer to this one is. Yes, we have had to re-record an episode. It was a rather fun episode uh, when we were playing through it the first time, and we did our best to recreate it a second time, simply because we had already progressed past that in the story, and we didn't change too much of like what was true, especially in how it mm-hmm. ended.
2: <laughs> this was a very
0: fun episode where... Vale hung back at the wagon on the side of the road in the snow with Ulwan and Earl Earl, while Aranis and Darvin were. What were you exploring for? What were you going to do? That was
2: the episode with Tharia.
3: Yeah, yeah. But why were you out there? uh, The wild halflings, wasn't it?
2: Yeah, but we. Why were we out there? Though.
3: Why did you go into the 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 storm?
2: Oh. Yeah, that's right. Oh. <gasps> was that the no?
3: No, you were, we taking were coming Vizcara back from to- Viscara. Well, yeah, we right. were coming back from yeah.
2: Brizendi in that when episode we,
3: because when it- we fell into or fa-
2: yeah, we we found the pit trap. Right? No, we saw the like yeah, yeah, the yeah, like were- light thing shoot up. At
3: the right. right, we did.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah, like the the signal flare for the pit yeah. traps. That's right. And we like, kind of- we went to
3: investigate.
2: Yeah.
0: So, short answer, yes. But longer answer, how did it feel to have to re-record an episode? Was there anything that you enjoyed playing through a second (laughs) time? Or was there anything that you really wish we didn't have to do again? (laughs) It was just open for anybody. You don't have to have an answer, but if something stands out about that session.
3: Yeah,
1: Yeah,
2: that was fun fun for you guys. (laughs) (laughs) That was not fun for me.
1: Uh, I don't know what you're talking about like Having
2: to do that twice was not Super fun It was devastating enough first time
3: It's just too bad we don't have that original Devastation on tape
0: Yeah,
2: it was I know re- I
3: yeah. miss that so much
1: <laughs> For it was- me it was It was fun to get to replay Veil vale having like a, a like Hardcore badass Vale Moment because that's the same Episode where Vale mm. takes on like Four bandits on their own uh, happened successfully yeah. with dice, dice rolls and then going back and getting to kind of do it again and add some flavor to it was, was fun for me. But we were all mm-hmm. having a very different experiences. You all got jumped
0: in the snow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you got to beat up a bunch of people, but, you know, Darvin and Arnis got to meet the wild halflings out there in the snow and have a cool party. Yeah,
2: we did. And I had to stop Sam. Sam from having sex with the chick. Okay, so, uh, like, me as a player, I felt bad having to do that, <laughs> but, like, Arnis was like, dude, we gotta go. So, Arnis didn't feel bad, but Shannon felt bad.
3: <laughs> oh, that's fair. Arnis doesn't have to feel bad about that. Darvin probably felt a little bad, but he understood the importance of moving. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: You know, it's just not every day that Sam gets to meet somebody else who has uh, such animalistic features uh-huh. as he does. It's true. Although to be fair, there's a difference between the Tamani and Theria. Whereas the Tamani, when they're in their hybrid form, it's very much like an expression of both creatures. But with Theria, it's with Theria and Dipple and uh, crap. Who is the giant that you just fought with? Patches uh, and Leopold Torvald. Yes. Yeah. But with Theria, Dipple, and Torvald, their animal attributes are exactly as they would appear on their animal counterparts. So they're not like human grasping hands that Torvald hand had mixed with bare arms. It's just bare arms. Dipple's owl head was completely an owl head. Theria's, um, was like upper torso down was all llama. She walked on two legs just to have more fun with it, but it was still like very much so llama, but yeah, it was fun to play through that again, but I definitely do miss Shannon's, uh, utter heartbreak it <laughs> the first mm. time arnis dropped oh his dad's God. loot and broke that it was
2: de- that was devastating
0: but yeah but that's the only time we've had to re-record an episode thankfully and that wasn't because of technical issues that wasn't because uh you know we figured out something was just terrible for the story that was the files disappeared And when I say disappeared, I mean I probably deleted them before checking that they were backed up. (laughs) Zoinks. I know. Okay. Up next. Oh, this is good. See, I'm glad we moved the the order of who's asking questions because now Shannon gets this question here.
1: Mm, That's good. Um, Well, this is good. So this
2: is from Paul. What is the story of Sir Carl Luminous and how did he become a belt buckle?
0: So in-game, uh, this was an item that you got to describe as you were finding it before you knew it was totally, totally magical. magical. What was the historical story behind Sir Carl? Do you You're remember? Asking
2: me? Do I need yeah, to I'm pull out you. the card? Wait, 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 because no, I don't
0: remember. The, I don't think the story's oh, on the card. you mean like how I found him? No, 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 not how you found it. When you were describing it, saying there was someone fighting a dragon on the belt buckle, we went through and decided was this is this like a historical event or is this just something cool? Oh, and we cool? decided that,
2: yes, it was and some sort of historical something, right?
0: Yeah. Um, at the table, we kind of created this story of a knight who was fighting a dragon, Ooh. left kind of open-ended as to whether or not he won, but there was light shooting out of his flail. And it was like this epic battle scene that anybody who knew a little bit of history you know, might recognize. But as, as far as how did he become a belt buckle, uh, there's, I think, a very important distinction to make with mm-hmm. Sir Carl as opposed to someone like M mm. and as opposed to the ebony kangaroo. I think the three of them represent a spectrum of sentient items. The ebony kangaroo is definitely just... This magical little statue that was imbued to take its animal form and carry out these very simple tasks. M on the other side is definitely a living spirit who is attached to this item somehow. Carl is somewhere in between.
1: Hmm.
0: When you summon Sir Carl you are summoning a little wonderful little dude who acts on his own alignment and his own beliefs but It's not the actual Sir Carl. This is an item that was affected by the changing of the magic uh, that we kind of went into at the at the very beginning of the podcast and that we got into later with moving magic between items and became like an animated version of the ideal Sir Carl, which is pretty much where he came from. So it's not like you need to free him from the belt buckle to let him go live out his human life or to let him go rest in peace. Mm. Not saying you couldn't do that if you wanted to find a way, but he's not like M where he's like, no, definitely a soul attached Mm. there. Mm. All right. Um, Next question here. Oh, second to last question. This one comes from Paul. What's the biggest thing or the thing you were most excited about that the players just walk past and never noticed this question is definitely directed more at me but i'm curious if there's anything that you guys saw that you were really excited about but just didn't interact with
1: chris is just, just gonna say right now ask me in book three is <laughs> there's some fun stuff we've recorded but i'm not giving away any spoilers because i was told not to
3: fair first thing that comes to mind is that whirlpool oh the whirlpool yeah mm. The Whirlpool, they're so down we like, uh, in the patches Leopold fight. Want the shiny? Maybe not. So curious about the shiny.
2: Oh, no. You're talking about on the island. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The island. Yeah.
3: Oh,
0: oh, oh. That yeah. yeah the, sorry, sorry. Yeah. The island Whirlpool. The island. Yeah. Sorry, there's been a couple of Whirlpools. Okay, yes. I'm definitely going to go with Nate on at least part of my answer to be uh, the Whirlpool on the Moaning Island or in the Moaning Island just because... Yeah, Annika's ship was down there at the bottom of it. And there's there's so much story stuff in there. Um, part of that was just revealing her identity. You could have known she was a princess earlier, and maybe you wouldn't have taken her back what? to the royals. Who knows?
2: My bad.
0: Maybe you wouldn't have agreed to let Ulwineer take her. <laughs> and maybe, you know, her and Kirvish could have been still at your side. Who knows?
1: Dude, having Kirvish as a companion would be awesome. You want to mess with us? Tell that to my friend. <laughs>
0: That was definitely up there Um, as far as a good book two thing. uh, Book one, there's definitely a couple more secrets in Earl that you guys just didn't happen to do. But I think once you started, once you picked that fight with the Earls and Olwenir, those avenues got cut off real fast. (laughs) Um, Because, yeah, I mean, I don't want to. Let's see. No, you guys don't have any control yet in the city of Earl, so I don't want to just give it away.
2: Yeah, see, my bet was you weren't even going to answer the question at all.
0: <laughs> right? Well, it's, it's hard, because if it's something that didn't matter anymore, <clears throat> like in the very early episodes, uh, what were those eyes following you on the road? Guess what? I'm still not going to answer that question, because it's still important. Um, Let's see. Anything else that that was big and exciting that you just walked past or never noticed um, that I actually can talk about?
1: I feel like there was more that we could have explored with, um, with the undead in that town that we passed through really early on with the goblet. Medullary Hill. Mm,
0: Yeah. In Medullary Hill. Yeah. There's definitely more about them, but I mean, the main reason that town was in place Was to just prove that the undead were gone and that there was no more of that.
2: Did we, is that the fight where we saw a like, quote unquote, like werewolf, just like wrecking a dude? That was the first time
1: I think he dropped. Yeah. But
2: that was Sam, right? Yeah, it was the first time we know it was Sam.
0: Took us us a long time to figure out it was. Because like when it was like, hey, where'd Sam go? And it was like, I don't know. Where'd Sam go? It's like, I know. Yeah, he like, was.
2: Yeah, we heard, we heard like a, it sounded like a wolfy like something mm-hmm. just like
1: wrecking.
0: Yeah, dude. that's true. That was the first yeah. hint of that. I mean, you all eventually got we to Sam's no secret because um, I couldn't sit on that forever. I still it's thought Sam was a level 20 so ranger. hard to just.
2: <laughs> He's just being a jerk because in the game that he runs, we thought my aunt was a level 20 ranger. Oh, she like, just had a level twenty dagger.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I actually there's recordings of that joke though, where I repeatedly was saying Sam's a level twenty ranger. Yeah. Oh yeah.
0: No, that definitely happened a lot, even way back in the day. Okay. Okay. Here's a very good one from the first from book one. Something that I was very excited about that you just walked past when you first got to the city of Earl. You paid a visit to the Denouement headquarters there, and Vale decided. No, I don't want a job here. Mm. I was like, "Dang <laughs> it!"
2: <laughs> oh, because they would have given because me vale an assignment. Ooh.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah, interesting. They absolutely had an assignment there Ooh. for Vale, one that they had not been able to complete Ooh. because of uh, changeling-related Ooh. reasons. That's a lot. And tying on to that, tangentially tying on to that. Coram had mentioned that there was someone pulling mm-hmm. some denouement strings uh, that oh. he was not happy with, and, and we just kind of never went That's anywhere right. with That's
2: that. That's right. And, uh,
0: that never got followed.
2: It was probably passed.
0: Probably. But bitch. it is what it is.
1: Worse. But I feel like there are definitely the ever. possibility to go back to that with things that are going on. Wink. Oh, dang. Nudge. Well,
2: yeah. Nudge.
0: Hey, hey. Watch the those spoilers. spoilers. That's a wink. Um,
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> winky, winky. Uh-huh. That's a very hudgy. knowing wink. I didn't see. So
0: any other answers to something that you were excited about that we didn't explore or that you really wanted to explore before we get to this last pair of questions? There's
3: one more thing, but it's more minor. Okay, that's fine. When we first started, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like there was hints that there was something watching us like at night, like there are always eyes or something. <laughs> And we never, yeah, we never yeah. knew what to do about that. So we never.
0: Yeah, that was actually the first, one of the first things I mentioned. Um, you might not have heard me when oh. I was in and out. But yeah, those eyes that were watching you uh, when you were on the road definitely had like a whole thing <laughs> behind them.
2: <laughs> we were just like, nope.
0: And nope, definitely, s- nope. 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 I, I tried to leave breadcrumbs for you guys, but nah, I guess you just wanted to starve yourself. No, that's fine. That I'm was kidding. Dinner? There's definitely
3: something behind that. And I was there eating fish There definitely is still jerky? something behind that.
2: God damn it. <laughs> fish, jerky.
3: fish jerky is probably hella good. No, it is really good.
2: Like salmon jerky good, is... Sounds right? Sounds
3: amazing. That is
2: bomb ass.
3: How did we get to fish <laughs> jerky the, now? One of the
2: barrels oh, Sam in Sam's selling. wagon, fish jerky.
3: I thought it was... Yeah. All- Yeah, well, you said
2: if you guys didn't want something to eat, and I said that was dinner. I was eating fish jerky. (laughs) I'd
3: rather have fish jerky than bread.
2: I'm assuming the eyeballs didn't belong to breadcrumbs.
3: Or to fish. There weren't fish (gasps) eyeballs.
2: (gasps) Land fish.
0: (laughs) But yes, uh, there is more to that which we may still have a chance to explore. Uh, it definitely would have been far more important if you had done it early on for reasons. Um, okay. I, to drop more hints for reasons relating to that big owl. That's tried to kill everybody at the party. Mm.
2: <gasps> that's right. Uh, the big owl that like fucked everybody up.
1: Yeah. We're all all mm-hmm. owl right. <laughs>
2: I tried to save, uh, them
1: and
2: died. I was sad. Right? They died. Right? Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. A lot of people ended up dying there. Some of them by owl. Some of them uh, by other sinister hands. Veil. <laughs> veil. <coughs> Darwin.
2: Meanwhile, <laughs> I was being paid by them, so I was trying to save them.
3: Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: okay let's move on to the last pair of questions these are definitely very similar so Nate
3: take us away okay from Sierra how would your characters from the start of the campaign feel about how they have become now they've changed so much and I was wondering how their old selves would feel about the change and then from Paul how have your characters evolved over the story have they ever surprised
0: Yeah, I definitely think these could both be covered under the same answers. Uh, Who wants to start?
2: Those goes.
1: I'll start. I feel like Vale's biggest change is their willingness to to see the bigger picture and understand that they're not themselves. I feel like Vale has taken on more of a changeling cause and not just the assassin cause. And that's kind of the main change. They're still kind of singularly focused in like they, they're they not a hammer, but they're definitely a three-piece multi-tool. But they they understand what they're good at, and they will use that to their advantage. But they've grown in in the sense that they kind of can see that. I think that there'd be a little bit of shock in how much they've just physically changed. Honestly, I think the biggest surprise is for me for Vale is how close they're to not leaving the Frost Swamp. There was very, very mm-hmm. much a mm-hmm. lot of conflict inside me as a player in those last moments before they left because they had given so much to the grung of the Frost Swamp and just kind of that sacrifice they had keyed into and were like, if I've given my arm, I want to make sure that they live and that it wasn't for nothing. And I think the only reason that Vale left mm-hmm to continue the path was because they couldn't have stayed there knowing that the changelings of Earl still were in their state. But I think mm. that there's a very good chance that once that kind of is ticked off their quilog, if they ever.
0: Yeah. I was going to say, when you said veils really torn now because they kind of want to just stay here in the frost swamp, I was shocked because it was a place I never thought anybody would want to stay in. Long term, beyond just fixing the problems, I wasn't expecting any sort of personal connections with that between your players and the NPCs there. I'm glad it happened. It was just kind of a surprise. It was very nice, though. Um, Nate or Shannon?
2: I think that old Arnis would not even be able to handle <laughs> <laughs> new Arnus. <laughs> like, Arnis from the beginning of this game was like... <laughs> I live in this town, I play in this bar every night, that's what I do, I'm good at it, everything is fine, and would just be like, "Uh, I did what now? With who? To who? (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Wouldn't even be able to comprehend what Aranis has done in the meantime.
0: Go ahead. (laughs) Do you think, sorry, do you think old Aranis and Current RNs could be friends.
2: I feel like their relationship would be a little bit like Rnus and Quince's relationship, because I don't know <laughs> that they would really understand each other. Right? They're just okay. their motivations are so different that old RNS would mm-hmm. keep trying to get new RNS to uh to just stick around and form a band. <laughs> <laughs> and new Arnus is like, but we're all Okay,
0: so I just have to partner up old Arnus with yes, Quince, to convince new Arnus to join it. a band.
2: And I think, like, I think it's actually surprised me over, like, in little, in little tiny bits over the course of the story, how Arnus is uncomfortable about intimacy. Like, like I've and I've mm-hmm. said it before. I didn't mm-hmm. do that on purpose. Mm-hmm. But like when you can run those two like groupies, he kind of can't, he couldn't handle it. And I'm like, oh, I didn't, I didn't expect that. I didn't (laughs) expect him to be uncomfortable in that situation. But I'm like, but it felt, it felt right. It felt like what he would have done. And I'm like, oh, I guess this is, this is part of the character now.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Sometimes you don't know who you are until it, like you're confronted with that situation. I thought, I'm glad that. We're learning about our own characters even as we're playing them. It's very fun.
3: Nate. Nate. Mr. Question Asker. So, mostly, basically, there's two things. First, he's gotten much snarkier, right?
1: (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Snarky (laughs)
3: Darvin. Which I think is just. All for snark. mostly my own, in a not be a smart, right? Like, he was supposed to be Batman, who's a smart, and that wasn't on purpose.
0: (laughs) Hey, mate. Maybe you're more a Terry McGinnis Batman and less a Bruce Wayne Batman.
3: Maybe. That could be. Um, but the the other thing, I think, is that the world is just so much bigger than his. Other people matter now before they didn't. And things outside of the monastery, too. Like, he's driven by more than just God. Conflicting. Super conflicting. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay.
0: How do you think Darwin, at the start of the story, would react to seeing Darwin now?
3: No book three spoilers.
2: Oh, my God.
3: Right, right. No book three spoilers, um, but end of book two. With the exception of what he sees as the misdeed surrounding the death of Colonel Faber, which he does have a lot of shame about, which I've already mentioned, um, I think he'd be mostly okay with it. Like, mm-hmm. okay, so I'm a smartass now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't I don't see a huge, like, <laughs> I don't want to, you know, I don't see that he's got anything that the original character would have stood against.
0: Okay. Very fair. Um, hmm. Let's see. What do I? I there's definitely some things I want to say here, not just about Darwin or arnis or just Vale, but as a whole. I mean, I can't personally speak to how that's not something I can really speak to. That is definitely all through your own lens. But as far as have you ever surprised me, absolutely, Vale. Deciding that maybe they want to stay with the Grung in the Frost Swamp was a huge surprise. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you were at the Temple of St. Phaleron and Vale almost walked because their secret could have been shared. Um, that was a huge shock, especially because that wasn't meant to be like that big. Like I wasn't thinking about it from that perspective when I planned the Celestials being able to pull memories out and keep records of things. Just like, oh yeah, I guess this actually is bad for people with huge amounts of secrets that could be threatening to themselves. For Darwin, it's how much he is, can be fine with just
1: <laughs> running away, like
0: leaving problems behind. Like, if me being somewhere else makes the problem go away, cool. <laughs> let's just do that. I, I. It's a very fun concept. <laughs> hey, sometimes, yeah, like you don't need to solve every problem in the world uh, with Arnis. Um, okay. Gosh, I, I'm not sure how to put this exactly. Um, <laughs> the way Arnis deals with people, as as Shannon explained, like you know, just made a bard because they because you wanted to be a bard, but the way Arnis interacts with people and problems is very much a surprise. Just no, I'm going to try to fix this or no, my words are enough. I don't need to actually hurt you. Like, no, I don't want to have anything to do with these groupies. Yes, I will be a lawyer, even though I have no training whatsoever in it. The big one, of course, still being the Bard's Rebellion as being like the biggest surprise, but like the best of them. Yeah. Um. Oh, speaking of NPCs that I would love to see again, who are very short lived. Aranus encouraging Talia <laughs> Taloo to just leave the temple.
2: Oh, yeah. Oh, and go hang out with, what was his name? The knight dude?
1: The paladin, yeah.
2: Yeah, I like yeah, him too. Uh, Wyatt. <gasps> yeah, Wyatt. Yeah,
0: they're, they're both just movie. out in the world
1: somewhere. Such just like
2: running around.
1: Good buddy, cop movie. <laughs> That's a pair.
0: But yeah, there's definitely been plenty of surprises for me as a DM. And I know you've all seen that look (laughs) on my face so many times of shock or facepalm. Aran is turning down the chance to be a god. Just actually going and fighting Pathox. Like, I think as a whole between the three of you, just like, yes, this is a thing we want to do now.
2: Oh, it felt like such a bad
0: move even at the time.
2: Like, this is stupid. We're going to die. Let's go do it anyway.
0: Corum was pressuring you for very selfish reasons and you f- just gave it and you're like okay mm-hmm. fine. Like, oh, okay.
2: When a god tells you it's urgent, you tend to listen.
1: And yeah, not just any god, but the god of death who has your marker.
2: Right? Yeah. yeah.
1: But yeah, I think every
0: surprise that every surprise that I've seen from your characters has been great even if it's had terrible consequences. I just love watching what you guys do, love seeing how you change the world and uh, make it more your own instead of just this place that I made. And yeah, and with that, we are all out of questions unless somebody here on the mic has a question that they want to ask about book one or book two.
1: I'm thinking we're all kind of sitting at the table thinking.
0: Mm -hmm. I mean, if you don't have any questions, that's fine. okay if you don't have any questions i certainly have one question for everybody here on mic a single question yes yes are you ready okay my question for everyone what are you most looking forward to in book three
2: (laughs) uh i'll go first
0: without spoilers
2: Fixing what I broke. <laughs> I'll just leave it at that. <laughs>
1: um, I will say finding out what the hell's going on with Vale.
2: <laughs> Does that fall into fixing what I broke? Because I feel like it's all connected.
1: Oh yeah, those are tied together.
0: No, I mean they're t- they're related, but fixing the withering may not do anything for Vale, and
3: vice versa. Yes, that's fair.
2: Mm.
3: All right. I, so I'm going to second both of those two answers. I would love to know more about the withering and how, if, we're going to solve it. And also, very curious as to Bill's state and how, well, I guess we know how, but how we're going to get them mm-hmm. out. If we're going to get them out, these are tremendously suspenseful.
1: Mm-hmm. Book three for me is just <laughs> constantly rolling survival checks every game.
0: <laughs> all right and with that i think we are wrapping up our first ever questions of skyrend it's been God, it's been a wonderful three hours which i hope to be edited down You're to much goofy. less than that <laughs> especially considering the first hour was us just messing around
1: Well, yeah
2: oh at least the first hour was us just like why doesn't this work nothing works the keg is broken. <laughs> oh, there's food. <laughs> and that was so far. is
1: falling down. <laughs> it was before I drank a keg. <laughs> that was so funny.
0: Okay. Don't let's like uh, let's, let's come you back both? from the jokes. Um, because I definitely. Oh, you want to
2: do like a wrap up? Okay.
0: Get to the end of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to get to the to a wrap up. Yes, um, that brings us to the very end of our first questions of Skyrend, covering books one and two. I want to thank again everybody who sent in their questions through email and Twitter. Uh, It's wonderful to hear from you. And if you have more questions, by all means, keep sending those our way. Uh, If we get enough, we may have to do another Q&A before the end of book three. Who knows? I want to thank all of our patrons again over at patreon.com slash Skyrend for helping make everything here possible. I want to thank Shannon, Chris, and Nate for being such amazing players and rolling with so many of the just insane things that happen in this world and for making it a better place. And thanks, of course, as always, to Daryl Reckonos for our wonderful podcast music and to Vanessa Blockland for our wonderful podcast art they have been staples in the show ever since day one and with that we are truly done thank you everybody for listening we hope you enjoyed the q a session here and stay tuned for book three coming soon a reminder that all of our patreon patrons at the ten dollar and up level will get early access to all of our chapters from book three on out So if you want to hear it a week earlier than the normal feed, by all means, come over to Patreon, lend us some money, and we'll pay it back to you in awesome story. Until then, thank you.